God bless you. Very good to be um, here again today. Uh, it's a year ago since we first um, came with our saris on, and you will see members of the 2011 team have also put their saris on. And uh, it's a lot of pressure, actually, standing in the uh, female toilets, trying to put saris on and thinking, we're going to run a service in a little while. So, um, as many of you know here, um, a team of six of us, three weeks ago, flew out to Hyderabad, and we went really to run a conference for 200 Dalit women in, in Andhra Pradesh, and also to see the work of Agape Alive in India. Um, Agape works with the poor and disenfranchised in the slum area. And so, this morning, there's just three of the team that went. Uh, Helen Sage has moved up to Manchester now, so she cannot be with us. Uh, Jenny Tideman is at her ch home church in Bloxham. Karen Olleranshaw is with uh, visiting her mother. She's really sad she's not here. But we ha there are three of us. There's Kath Hutchins, Yvonne Stevenson, and myself, Sarah Buttrick. Uh, but we do have, Kath, uh, we do have um, Karen here virtually. She has done um, a, a DVD for us. Uh, Karen first went out to India last year, and it touched her deeply. And she's now a trustee of the charity Agape Alive in India. So if we could start by listening to what she has to say. India for me has meant a lot my comfort zone and here I am again out of my comfort zone talking to a video camera when I would much rather be with you on Sunday morning um, but I'm with my lovely mum for the day so can't be. I'd really encourage anyone that gets the chance to go and do a mission either here or abroad to do it because you do get challenged in your faith in ways that you wouldn't normally do. This time when I went, a lot of you may know I'm a practice nurse and I had the opportunity to have a meeting with a lady that's organised healthcare in um, an area of Andhra Pradesh for the last 35 years and I went with Chandra, Shaker and Yvonne. It wasn't an easy meeting and I have to say a, a part of the meeting I was just frantically praying and certainly at the beginning when I was shaking violently because she was a very intimidating lady um, just Lord your will be done because I was too frightened and couldn't actually think about anything else. And God's will was done, and it was an ama amazing turnabout of events, and we came away from that meeting with a clear plan about how we may be able to sort of progress with healthcare, and that's something that Chandra Shaker and the whole um, trustee team at Agape will have to pray through further as to how we may proceed in the best interests of the women and the children and the, the men that we saw there um, but also not at the risk of causing any harm to um, Shaker and Chandra and the family so please be in prayer for that we would really value your prayers on how we can proceed with health care and for God just to open up more doors I and mean, he's doing amazing things already but for us to be sort of willing to, to you know and responsive to those also this time, I did a talk on, Harma on Psalm 139. As I was praying for the women over the summer holiday, I had this real sense of, of God saying to me, really, that these women don't know how just how precious they are to me. 
And I mentioned this to Sarah, and I said that I really feel that we, a talk needs to be done on Psalm 139 next year. I was a little horrified when she immediately suggested that I would be the one that would do that. Um, I do talks at work, I'm very comfortable about doing that on home territory, but I'd never done anything faith-based before, and I felt this real burden of responsibility to deliver that talk um, if you're delivering God's word, to, to do justice to that um, and that it wouldn't be misinterpreted in any way. After many months of prayer, um, I sat down and wrote my talk and it actually came surprisingly easy to me. I wrote it in one foul swoop um, and God was just so faithful and just just delivered me the words and, and so down on paper they went. Um, and after a few minor corrections and help from Edward and Sarah, it was there ready for me to deliver to the ladies in India. I thought I would be very, very nervous doing the talk, um, and not even the power cut that we had just as I was about to do the talk, or the fact that we had a couple of rows of pastors sitting very sternly at the back, took threw me off course really. I just felt this tremendous sense of peace while I was doing it. Did the talk um, on Psalm 139, as I felt was right to do. And left it at that really, and just thought, well, I've, I've been obedient, I've, I've done the talk, and was amazed with what happened next really. As we got in the car to go back up to the lighthouse, Sarah said, do you realise that, that listening to that talk has saved somebody's life today? And I couldn't quite really comprehend what it was that she was saying. It took a few minutes, and she explained that there was a lovely lady who was going to commit suicide, and that having heard the talk she now knew that she was precious and much loved by God and that she, in the world's eyes, she may, may mean nothing, you know, she may have less than little worth, she has no worth, but in God's eyes she is precious. And I was completely blown away that God would use the very little that I had to offer and use it in such a powerful way that it's incredibly humbling. But I would just really encourage anyone here just to... If you feel that God has given, you know, told you to do something or out of prayer you sense God leading you somewhere, talk it through with someone you trust, pray about it, and maybe go and seek some guidance from Philip, Edward, Duncan, somebody else on the leadership team, and sound it out a lot. And then if you're still convicted that that's what God wants you to do, I'd really encourage you to do it. I really wish I was with you all today and I wish I was in my sari with everybody else and I just hope that you will enjoy hearing the stories of India and I would just really encourage you to get out of that boat and walk on water. Good morning. When asked to briefly talk today about our trip to India, I had no hesitation in knowing that I wanted to share with you about a Hindu man named Ganesh, named after the elephant god. He attended church on our first Sunday and was actually prayed for by Jenny. On Tuesday, he sought us out and came to us for prayer. His behavior was totally countercultural. He humbly knelt in front of us six ladies. Men would not normally receive prayer from women, let alone kneel before them. We felt that he was actually kneeling in submission to God, knowing that he needed God in his life. Ganesh was seriously depressed. His daughter had left him with two small children to look after. 
He had no idea where his daughter was or even if she was safe. As you will see from his photo behind, he looked as if he carried the worries of the world on his shoulders. He appeared so burdened. On Sunday, Jenny had prayed for a new name for him in preparation for his baptism, and the word encourager was given to her. So Barnabas was born, which means son of encouragement. Barnabas attended the ladies' conference every day, along with a number of other men. And each day we witnessed the most remarkable change in his demeanor. By Friday, the last day of the confirmation, his transformation was complete. The photo being shown now confirms it all. He has a confidence that comes from accepting Jesus as his Lord and Savior. His eyes shine. His face was aglow. His love of Jesus is evident for all to see. He was baptized on our last Sunday in India. And we continue to pray that Barnabas will be an encourager to others through his faith. I would also like to mention that on Wednesday evening, I was privileged to share my testimonies with the ladies at the conference. I hope that as I shared with them about praying for Mick for many years to accept Jesus as his Lord and Savior, for his heart to be softened and his ears and eyes to be opened, that it might encourage them in their lives. I knew that the women there would relate to everything that I was saying. I wanted the ladies to know that they could take everything in prayer to God, that he has no favorites, that whatever our color, our age, whether we are rich or poor, male or female, we are all equal in his sight, and that his love knows no boundaries. They also needed to know that it is his time, his time and is perfect. They celebrated for me when they heard how my life was transformed when Mick became a Christian. They vowed to continue praying for their husbands, sons, brothers, and fathers. At the end, the ladies split into small groups and prayed for their men. Believe me, when they pray, they mean business. They pray with such exuberance, the noise was deafening. If any of you know the film Bruce Almighty, you will know what I'm saying. Many of you here today may also be able to relate to, to, this, to praying for family members or friends to come to know Jesus. You long to experience the changes in your loved ones that I witnessed in Mick and that we as a group witnessed in Barnabas. I encourage you to keep praying. Nothing is impossible with God. invited um, to visit the women who are supported by the microfinance initiative. This is an initiative supported by the charity Agape Alive, which lends the women money to set up a business. Women cannot normally have money, and if they have a husband without a job, or worse, somebody who beats them, or has died and they've been thrown out of their in-laws' houses, they have nothing. They, they are lent the money, and then when they started earning, they pay it back. In this case, the group we went to see were learning to sew, and they were being taught by a lady who'd used the microfinance to set up her sewing school. 
the ladies, when they can sew, will then buy their sewing machines, borrowing money from the charity and paying it back as they earned. We saw the clothes that they were learning to make and they were selling. The machines have to be treadle because of the lack of or unpredictability of the power. The lady here came along um, and was, is a Christian but is unable to demonstrate her Christianity but she comes along and is supported by, by the ladies in her beliefs. The second slide is from um, is when we were back at the school with another group of ladies supported by microfinance who make in saris and as you can see from the vibrant colours um, and the fun that we had that these ladies are appreciating the microfinance. That evening on the Tuesday we went to house groups. Um, we went to two different house groups so Sarah, Kath and myself went with Shaker to a new group. We arrived at the house for the group and we had to go up a flight of stairs on the front of the house. We then sat down with our backs to the balcony and the group in front of us and we had the wall edge behind us and it was outside. I think it was the very first meeting of this group. I was quite nervous about speaking anyway but while I was listening to Shaker speak and to Kath and Sarah talk I had the most horrible feeling of heavy blackness engulf me, particularly over my head and shoulders, as though somebody was there over me. It was a feeling of fear. It wasn't nerves for speaking. It was real fear and danger. And I think it was the devil trying to stop me speaking about why and what God had asked me to come to India for. It stayed with me until I spoke. I was aware of Sarah sitting next to me praying and I just had to hold on to that. As I spoke, it stopped. But beforehand, I'd actually checked around. I'd looked behind. I don't know what I was expecting, whether it's men with guns or... But it felt that absolute fear that my life was threatened. But it went as I spoke. We carried on and we shared prayers and worship everything being translated for us back to the group and back by Shaker. The rest of the group was amazing. We were actually asked to go to a Hindu house around the corner by a young girl to pray for her family. And it was a, a little bit like one of the scenes out of um, Love Actually, where we all trooped from the house all around the corner with people joining us. And we went into this tiny house with things hanging from the ceiling that we're not sure what they were to pray and we all prayed for this Hindu house that they would find God and then we went back to the house group um, where we ate with the family. We also prayed for people that were there and Sarah had been speaking about Cornelius, Cornelius even and while we were asked to pray a young boy came up and was called Cornelius. We left the group quite late to go back to pick the other half of the group up. As we got to our car, we sat down and there was a banging on the window and an old lady who was a member of um, Chandra and Shaker's church invited us to have rice pudding at 11 o'clock at night, which obviously we did. <laughs> Typical of India, the, own, the warm welcome and blessings we received. Thank you. <laughs> Thank you.
I know myself that um, I sometimes hear talks from trips when I come back, and it's hard to to really appreciate what's got on gone on. I haven't been to Kenya. I haven't been to Romania, and so I just listen. But the thing that I would like to give testimony for this morning is something that you, many of you here, were involved in. Uh, last year, when the team came back, we'd run a women's conference, and we had where we could photographed every woman and taken details of every woman that we met because we said we wanted to find sisters here to pray for these women. And it took hours to photograph them, and it took hours to take details but we brought them back, 180 names and pictures, and found women here. And some of you have prayed for those ladies for a six-month period. Well, I want you to know that God heard your prayers and answered abundantly. When we arrived at that first day of the conference, the sense of expectation and understanding that God was going to do something was tangible. We had been praying for six months. There was this enormous sense of barrenness amongst the women there. They're, they're malnourished. They don't, they, there's no kind of help with them with having children, and yet they are expected to have children, and it's such a pressure on them if they don't have children. Last year, we were greeted with much barrenness, years of barrenness. This year, we were greeted with babies in arms, pregnant women that we prayed for. We heard about illnesses that had been healed through this prayer period, debts cleared, family relationships restored, businesses turned from near bankruptcy to profitability. We heard of how one person had talked about her grandchild who was four years old and who couldn't speak, but who was now speaking. Another woman reported that her husband had stopped beating her, another that her husband had stopped drinking. One dear lady got up shaking and said she now felt confident to go out and share the gospel and indeed had spoken to a tribal woman who brought her husband and both had come to faith. Incredible, abundant answers to prayer, your prayers. And if there's one thing that I've learned over the last few months, this was the second women's conference in which I was involved, uh, another one in January here. The one thing that I've learned is preparation, and we had to work very hard in preparation for this. And prayer sets the platform on which God works. Preparation and prayer releases God's power, God's amazing power to do immeasurably more than we could hope for or imagine. And I want to thank you here for those who were part of the Sister Sponsorship Initiative. I want to thank you from the bottom of my heart for your prayers. And I want to stand here on behalf of the women that you prayed for. And that you will probably never meet and you will probably never know this side of heaven how you have impacted their life. And now on to more prayers. I believe when you came in, uh, many of you were handed a small piece of paper. Have I got that right? That you have got little bits of paper. Some. Are there any more to hand out? Could we hand some more out? Um, the charity runs a school in the... Um, here they will be handed out, yes. 
the charity runs a school in the slums of Hyderabad. And um, on one of the days, we, we went to visit the school, and there's a, I think there's a picture of us being greeted. There we are. We were welcomed as we walked in by the children standing there. And we were able to see the assembly, uh, which is wonderful to watch. Uh, the children are poor. You look at them in their uniforms, they look very smart. But when you're actually there, you see their toes are coming out of their shoes. Their, their uniforms are stitched. And yet you can see the great delight that they find in being in this school. And Chandra, while we were there, felt that it was important for every child we met to give us uh, their prayer requests and for us to bring them back here so that you could pray for them. And so that's what's being handed out today on small scraps of paper. We have 113 prayer requests that we said we would bring back. Some of them have been written by the children themselves and some of them have been written by the class teachers. Um, a num there's, uh, on some of the bits of paper, there's quite a lot of detail. In, on other bits of paper, they're just vague requests. One of them has been written in Hindi. Well, I think it's Hindi, but it's not English writing. You won't know when you get this bit of paper, probably, if you're praying for a boy or if you're praying for a girl. You won't actually know if you're praying for a Christian, although the name may give it away, or a Muslim or a Hindu child, because Agape School is, does not discriminate against the um, religions. And what I'd like you to do when you get just that piece of paper is if we could just spend one minute just praying for this child, or perhaps you will share a child together. Um, I've asked Yvonne to come up as well. Uh, you may just get... We are a poor family, and poor will be spelt F-O-O-R. But Yvonne is just going to share what some of these children, probably all of these children, could face in their lives. All these children will come from desperately poor families, and they're probably going to live in conditions that we can't begin to imagine. Right next to the school is the tip, and some of them will go out there to earn some money as well. Without the provision of this school, it's likely that these children would receive no education at all. So they are the lucky ones living in this slum area of Hyderabad. They will be educated up to and around the age of 13 at the school, and that for many will be it, and they will leave formal education. The school provides each child each day with a hot and nourishing meal. But for many, this will be the only meal they will have all day. Ill health is likely to be a very real part of their lives, for their own lives and for the lives of their family members. In this community in which they live, and very probably in the homes, up to about 50%, we believe, alcoholism is rife, especially amongst the men. These children leave hard lives and physical abuse is common. They live such hard lives that they are on the bottom of society with little or no help and hope of change. And when there is no hope, people react in inappropriate and difficult ways. And can we just have one minute of prayer?
continue in prayer now. Could I ask that we pray for Agapi Alive in India? Father, we thank you for all concerned with this charity, the trustees and all the many workers. We pray for discernment, for wisdom, for guidance, and for obedience to your word as they seek to serve you and those in need in Andhra Pradesh. We praise you for the many lives that have been changed by the blessings of this charity, for the children who are now being educated, for the orphans being cared for at the orphanage, for the children who are safe and protected in the refuge, for widows, widows who now have been given hope and dignity for the future through the microfinance initiative, for the students at the Bible College that they will be equipped to serve the people of their local community. We pray for the health care that has been put in place. We thank you for Chandra, Shaker and their family, for their servant hearts and their willingness to serve you. We thank you for their testimonies that they share freely with others. We pray your protection over them. We pray for their health. We pray that they will continue to shine like beacons in that difficult place. Father, we also pray for the men in that area. We pray for those whose lives have been blighted by an addiction to alcohol. We ask that you would comfort and protect the women and children who suffer at the hands of these men, whose brains have become addled by the liquor that they drink. We pray that you would replace their thirst for drink to a thirst for you, that a hunger for you and your word would dominate their lives, which would then enable them to be good husbands and good fathers. We pray that they would know the Father's love, a love beyond all measure, and that they would grow into powerful men of God with a desire to serve you and spread your word. We ask all these things in your precious name. Perhaps I could draw your, to your attention the fact that we are one of two teams going out to India this year and the youth team are going out in the summer and uh, on the Friday the 13th of April a curry and quiz night to raise money for this um, trip out for the young people that are going is being held. And I would encourage you to support that. And also to say that um, in the summer, Shekhar and Chandra, who are we've just been hearing about in the prayer, will be coming over to this country. They're spending about a month here and they will be coming to see us in Chipping Camden and that's always such a blessing when they come. I'm conscious you've been sitting now for about half an hour and you might just want to get up and just stretch. I've just got a little more to say, but you just, for those who'd like to stand up and stretch, for those that don't, that's fine, but do feel free. Yes. <laughs> I haven't got much to say, but you just might like to do that. Right. I, I need to say as well, please do keep that piece of paper if you want. If you want, if you want to hand it back, do, but please do keep that piece of paper with the child's details on. 
Um, one of the strange things that well, we find very strange when we go out to India is that it really blesses the, the, the people out there if we dress in their costumes. And so one of the first things we do when we go to India, the first night, we go to RS Brothers or another shop and the women buy saris and Tudor doors, which is the, the tunics and the trousers. And it's a, it's a culture shock. You're suddenly going from kind of dull English colours to bright, bright Indian colours. And it, it's, a, it's also a great treat. But I had, this is my third time of going, so I'm confident. I've got saris, I've got a Tudor door. I do not need to buy anything. So I'm standing there, and Chandra comes up to me, and she says, Sarah, Shara, she calls Shara, what about a night dress from India? <laughs> and beside me is a row, long row, thick cotton night dresses, ankle length, in patterns that really are interesting. I think we may have a picture of Karen, just, that's a better, right? No, 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 no. And she said to me, Shara, do something different in India. You don't say no to this lady. So Karen and I dutifully left with our new purchases in a bag. And the catchphrase for the week was set. Do something different in India. Ten days of mission completely outside our comfort zones, and we went for it. I have to say, we didn't always go for it without a kick or a scream, but we went for it. We prayed out loud, we anointed with oil. Helen Sage, who's sadly not here today, led worship. We led songs in, fr uh, in front of uh, open shop fronts. We sang with microphones using our voices that we don't really want to sing out loud with. We danced, we preached, we went to strange home groups and told our stories. We saw lives dramatically changed before our eyes. We wore saris, felt like princesses, reminded ourselves daily that we were daughters of the king. We glimpsed pictures and dared to claim that they were for God, and we spoke out what we saw. We prayed with authority, searched the scriptures hungrily, and heard the clear voice of God speaking to us. We really didn't always want to do it, but there was nobody else. No room for I can't do that. Years and years, layers of saying somebody else will do that. We were on a mission. We were there for 10 days. We had our return tickets and our passports in our room and the backing of a church praying for us. Do something different in India. And the mission ended and we came home. New people with new experiences coming back to lives of normality to tell a church full of people who themselves may have been on mission, may yet go on mission, or who may never go on mission about the trip that we had been on. Home to another mission field. In Acts chapter 1, Jesus says, But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you, and you will be my witnesses to the ends of the earth, India, Kenya, Romania, far, far away, Witnesses in Judea, the region in which you live. Witnesses in Sumeria. 
the Samaritans were the enemies of the Jews, you will be witnesses to the place where your enemies are. And in Jerusalem, our Jerusalem, the place that we call home, the place where people know us and they see us, they know our good points, they know our bad points, they know when we're angry, they know when we're sad, the place where we live, the place when we do something or say something odd one day, we know will re be remembered for days and years to come. Jerusalem, surely the hardest place to witness for timid disciples. Jesus said, you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you and you will be my witnesses. And so we return bearing testimony of the good news from our mission field to another mission field. And we want to bring to you this morning that same challenge for ears that will hear. Do something different. Friends, visitors to the church in Chipping Camden High School, do hear this cry, do something different this week, this month, this leap year. Well, you say, that's fine, but what might this something different look like? Well, to be absolutely honest, I don't know, because sometimes that something different is only there just then, and you can't plan for it. And this something different doesn't have to be changing house or moving careers. Quite frankly, it can be something very simple. You just have to prepare your heart to do it. It might be on the spur of the moment, just seeing a woman in front of you who is wearing a burqa. And you might, instead of actually thinking, that's really strange, you might choose instead to bless her, knowing as you can't see her, that her heavenly father can see her. And he loves her inside out, and he died on a cross for her, and suffered agony and rose again because he loves her just as much as he loves me. And I say to you who's who are here today and maybe hearing about this Jesus and this God who you're really not sure about, then I would say to you to do something utterly countercultural and to ask who this Jesus is. Ask the person who you came with, who is this Jesus? And if they can't answer, maybe to speak to Edward or to Philip. Consider perhaps signing up for an Alpha course. It will really surprise you how interesting it is. And for those of us who have been Jesus followers for a long time, may I ask you to look, not now because I don't think we have time, at Mark 16, it's the words that Jesus gives to his disciples, those who believe just before he ascends into heaven. He says the conditions or, or the, the things that we are to look for as signs. It's not for the super spiritual. It's not for those who've been to theological college. It's for those who believe and have been baptized. It says in his name, we will lay our hands on the sick and they will be healed. It says that one of the signs that accompanies those who believe is that in his name they will drive out demons. Well, that's quite hard in this culture, isn't it, to know about demons. We don't really talk about demons. Talk about demons in India, but we don't talk about them here. And so I just thought about that. What might that look like for you?
Well, I thought of this demon drink that we met time and time again in India, in Hyderabad. Lives bl uh, blotted out, destroyed, corrupted by alcohol. Not only the lives that those who were drinking, but the, the lives of all those around them, in their families, in their communities. And I thought we can relate to that, can't we? This addictive uh, level in alcohol or drugs, sex, gambling, etc. And I wondered as I prepared this talk, if that was a green light to somebody listening here. And I also wondered about those who know it's a mission field here and feel you're pushing water uphill. The words to you today, do something different. Do something different today, this week, this month, this leap year. We're going to come to the end of our service now. But I would just like to um, encourage you at the end of this service, if you have come with anything that's on your heart that you would like to receive prayer for, there's a prayer ministry team here, and at the end of the service, we would love to pray for you. If, as we've spoken, something has stirred you, we would love to pray for you. And I'd also like to say, would you let us practice what we preach if you've come this morning feeling ill and you're pretty tired of it? Would you allow us to pray for you? because we know that God heals. Thank you.